Hello, this is Jacob Music, and you're listening to Voice of the Revolution Radio on SoundCloud.com. Again, we are going to start with this radio program with an update on my life since yesterday, or whatever day I did this last. So, today I went to two appointments. I was able to go to my talk therapist and my psychiatrist, so I was very fortunate. Um, While I was having my breakdown not too long ago, unfortunately it felt like my kind of psychological support system had failed me and had really fallen through. Um, They not only canceled my appointments, but made the appointments so far back as to make them as if they wouldn't have happened even now. So, like they were going to be like November 30th, and my breakdown was like three weeks ago. So I didn't get any therapy um, at all to help me understand and contextualize and treat what I was going through with my depression with some catatonic features. Um, But today I did get to go to talk therapy. Um, It was nice. I generally like my therapist. She's an intern, and she is the one who does the Medicaid, who treats the Medicaid patients. I don't know if that has to do with the fact that she's an intern, if I know that at that clinic, which is not very good, I hate to say, um, I know at that clinic there are different tiers of the clinicians as opposed to certain clinicians see Medicaid patients, and I'm guessing Medicare patients, and then others do commercial insurance, but I'm not sure if there's a difference between the two in terms of credentialing. I don't know, because they didn't refer to Dr. Blank with her replacement. They just like said her first name. So I don't know about that, um, but it was it was overall a good session. I got to I was like, well, I got fired, and she was like, pretty much no response. Like like she wasn't she didn't even seem shocked. And I, I I'm not gonna say that I took that some kind of way or anything, but that the fact that she just took that in stride made me think that maybe she sees a lot of other people who have um, major depression and or other mood disorders, and, they, and she sees a lot of people who this happens to. I don't know. Maybe she sees this all the time. I don't know. Um, so I was able to do that. That was fine. I walked the mall, which is good. And, like, the thing with exercises, I've had for years um, people, uh, every, everybody with a mood disorder, especially major depression, is going to get those people that say, have you tried exercising? And I've actually started exercising recently like i know it's good for me it does not make me feel less depressed but it does make me feel better like physically and and sometimes this is overlooked but depression really has an effect upon your bodily functioning and the way that you feel in your body the way that your muscles ache the way that you feel old the way that you can't sleep the way that this and that so While doing that does not help my depression, it does help the depression side effect of feeling like shit physically. So that helps a little bit. So I did that. Then I went to my psychiatrist, and I was thinking because, uh, for those who know, and this is jargon, Brexbeprazzle was what I was on, and I thought he would eliminate that. Instead, he's upgrading, we're increasing my lithium by one half. So I'm going to take that for the first time today. So that'll be interesting. Hopefully it sedates me because um, we took away Seroquel from my regimen 
um, which had sedated me before, which is a hypnotic medicine. So that would like guarantee that I would get to sleep like almost every night, like almost without fail. Um, now it's kind of a crapshoot, and sometimes I don't get to sleep until like four in the morning. So I don't know. I don't know. We will see. We will see how this new regimen goes. And then after that, I got to see my grandfather for dinner, which was lovely. It's the first time I'd really get to spoken, get to speak to him. Um, got to speak to him since I lost my job. My grandparents have been very busy traveling around. Um, they're about to go to Africa and they haven't been necessarily physically available often recently. So it was nice to be able to speak to him. And um, they're just such positive people. <laughs> it's Sometimes the things that they say and the the difference or the gap between what they say and their positive perspective and their optimist perspective and my negativist and nihilist perspective is just so great. Like basically right now I'm unemployed and live, living in my parents' basement. <coughs> you know, obviously the doomsday financial financially is coming soon. And his advice to me was to become a YouTuber. And I'm like, oh, oh, I know he means well. I know he means well. And I, God, I mean, that would be great. Or if I could make money from this, there's no way in fucking hell. But I mean, it, you know, it's also, that's something that you have to do that takes years. So obviously I need to come up with some other plan because this is not really tenable. But um, so in today's show, we're going to talk about Iran and we're going to talk about the United States. We're going to talk about a rally, and we're going to talk about torture. Now, which country is which? Maybe you can just guess. We'll go into the rally first. This country is marking 40 years since it kidnapped embassy staff from its rival after a revolution. I think I gave that away. It's the Islamic Republic of Iran. This is how Iran commemorated 40 years since the so-called hostage crisis. Has given the Iranians a lot of ammo to really turn this event out. You know, it's the 40-year anniversary of the hostage crisis, and anti-American sentiments are always there's an ebb and flow to it. But right now, it's kind of reaching a fever pitch. But they always make it very clear that we hate the government. When we say death to America, we're talking about the government and the administration, not the American people. We got love for them. We need your song! 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 We of what is now the former U.S. Embassy. Very important yeah. because 40 years ago, a student like me said that there must be no American presence in Iran. They put an end to this. And thank God, after 40 years, you are repeating the same. Okay, we are sons of our fathers. Our fathers made the revolution, and we are continuing to uh, we are continue the causes of the revolution. The message is clear. Please, 
United States politician, come to your common sense, please. It's really apparent from this very well-attended rally that's sponsored by the Iranian government that this has a lot of popular support, that the revolutionary movement is still strong, and when it comes to Iran, it is an Islamic revolutionary movement, which means it has local characteristics and traditionalist and rightist features, but it's still a revolutionary movement nonetheless, and Iran, the Islamic Republic, has been a stalwart against American imperialism as well as Israel and Zionism, and has firmly taken the Palestinian stance, which has made it one of the linchpins in the anti-imperialist axis um, in the world currently and, and formerly to the non-aligned movement when it was more relevant. Um, so it's interesting. Um, it still has wide appeal. I would say that the, the obviously the anti-American sentiment exploded after the, well it exploded after the coup. Um, which was fronted by the CIA, I believe the CIA implemented that coup. It selected Iran's government for it, and since through then up until the late 70s, there was a lot of anti-American sentiment. Um, and the reason for that was that there was kind of like a liberal anti-imperialist anti government um, by an individual named Mossadegh, who was the prime minister. They removed him, and this caused, basically was one of the main um, reasons for anti-American sentiment, and as well as revolutionary sentiment, that boiled over in 1979. So when I was growing up, in the George W. Bush administration, I would definitely say that was one of the ebbs, um, one of the flows, sorry, one of the ebbs and flows. I'm not really sure which one is which, so I'm going to say one of the high tides of anti-American sentiment was absolutely those um, George W. Bush years where Iran was labeled on the axis of evil. Um, that was probably the most provocative thing that the president at that time could have possibly done. Um, I would say with the Obama administration, especially with the JCPOA, at the time, it, that was a low tide of American anti-American sentiment, and there was a lot of hope on the Iranian side that the two countries could become closer together, and of course this was completely quashed by the current Trump administration, which decertified the JCPOA, um, and has led Iran to do what in this video um, will be described later in 305. Let's take a look at this. Earlier this year, the Trump administration designated the IRGC as a terrorist organization. What is your opinion of that? Just to clarify, the IRGC is the Islamic Revolutionary Corps Guard, I believe. And so that is a paramilitary, that is a revolutionary paramilitary in the Islamic Republic of Iran, which is basically kind of hardliner um, Islamist forces, which are not regulars. Um, which can be deployed to different places, and they were one of the main forces that defeated and fought Daesh in Syria and Iraq. So they were very pivotal in the Syrian civil war in ensuring that um, the caliphate went away, to or at least the low tide where it is now. So this was designated a, a terrorist organization, and Republicans had been advocating for this for a while. I actually... And I've got to check this. This could be wrong. I think it was designated a terrorist organization previously, and then after the JCOP, JCPOA 5 era, that was reversed, and now this is reversed, and it's back to being designated a terrorist organization. And so this is, I think, the former head of that organization saying why it's a bad idea. <laughs> Because the power of power is not 
فتح میشد آیا آمریکایی ها حاضرن قبول کنند که مهمتای مانع در مقابل تروریسم را در حقیقت تحریم بکنند حتما ناچارن از این کار عقب نشینی میکنند so what he is saying there is, according to the vice translations, which I'm going to give you right now, he says, we feel that he has done a wrong thing, and sooner or later the Americans have to take back what they've said. Because the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps is powerful, if the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps didn't exist, Baghdad would have been captured by Daesh. Now, will the Americans accept that they've actually sanctioned the main barrier against terrorism in the region? So that's what he is saying when it comes to that. They will definitely have no choice but to accept their mistake, and they're not going to accept the mistake. I can tell you, the United States... Um, even the people's perceptions of the Islamic Republic of Iran are negative. Even during the JCPOA process, there was no effort by the United States government to, to try to dispel people's notions that Al-Qaeda and Iran were not like one and the same. Um, people in the United States, some people, especially Republican-based individuals, have a very negative view of any Islamic country. Um, that is not, um, say, one of the U.S. allies, but even though it's iffy. So Iran's had a hard time. Um, it gave the United States a chance with JCPOA, and it was clearly rebuked. And so I don't think that we're going to see another chance in this administration, maybe a next one. They seem to be actually pretty um, polite when it comes to giving the United States chances when they have a Democratic president. So we will see what happens when there is another Democratic president, which I'm guessing will be the next one because I'm thinking Trump has probably made it, because of his unique experience, so to speak, he's probably made it um, near impossible for a Republican to have wide appeal, because it's not him. It's not the authentic experience. The Vice piece finishes up this way. So while we were at the protest this morning, the head of Iran's nuclear program came on state TV and announced that they've been operating twice the number of advanced centrifuges as was previously thought. We are enemies of big thanks for giving us such an opportunity to empower the Islamic Republic of Iran in the field of nuclear technologies. In such a short time, we've made such progress. For example, with the blah, blah, blah. It's a very bold declaration because they're just coming out and stating that, hey, we are violating the terms of the nuclear agreement a lot more than anyone thought we were. Well, Mr. Um, Vice News, um, I think you need to add there the fact that this is after the United States has decertified it and basically ignored the agreement. So the agreement only exists between the Islamic Republic of Iran and Europe, and Europe, which was begging the United States to come back to the table, it eventually never did. It doesn't look like it ever will, this administration, so why would Iran? So we've talked about that. Now let's go on to torture in the United States, which reached a high tide when I was young, back in that administration of George W. Bush, in a Vice News, also Vice News piece, called Here's Why You Should Still Care About the Torture Report from today, actually. Um, the man who authored the very torture report that was presented to the Senate Committee on Intelligence um, says this. 
In December of 2007, Mark Mazzetti of the New York Times reported that the CIA had destroyed more than 90 interrogation videotapes of the CIA using what it calls enhanced interrogation techniques. We're covering America tonight, beginning in Washington, where the U.S. Justice Department opened a formal criminal investigation into the destruction of prisoner interrogation tapes by the CIA. The result of that destruction of tapes led to a criminal investigation by the Department of Justice, as well as a major review of the Senate Intelligence Committee of what would have been on those tapes. So we call that the tapes investigation. We were shocked at what we found. Everything the committee had been told about the program turned out to be wrong. The interrogation techniques were brutal and used frequently. They did not result in the intelligence the CIA had claimed. And the CIA repeatedly provided misinformation about the program to other entities in the U.S. government. Abu Zubaydah was the CIA's first detainee. Early on, they made an internal assessment that he was number three or four in Al-Qaeda. That was based off of faulty intelligence. We started the- Wrong. Oh, no, correct. It was faulty intelligence. Sorry, I didn't mean to say wrong. I meant to say wrong. So we heard about Abu Zubaydah all the time in, like, the news when I was growing up. And he was apparently this bigwig. He was not a bigwig. But they tortured him. And because they tortured him, he made he told them everything they wanted to. Just like everyone who's been tortured before. You should have learned from the Soviet Union. Is You don't get good information from torturing. You get literal bullshit. That is the purest way in which I can say it. So, why you should still care about the torture report? Well, it's talking about the specifics of the torture report, but maybe there's a couple of reasons you should care about the torture report. One is because the degradation of human rights in the United States really accelerated under this administration. And I know because I lived it. I grew up, and yes, I lived in Britain as well, so this isn't a purely American experience. But I grew up... And I was really naive about what the United States, like a lot of people, like many adults, I was very naive about what the United States did overseas. So when I heard that the United States was engaging in torture, I was shocked. I was legitimately shocked. But I was also like 12. So you have to give me that. Um, and that really started my, I would say, I would say that was one of the things that started my disenchantment with the United States government and its foreign policy in particular, was hearing that it was torturing people. And then, of course, there's the secondary that not only is that extremely um, setting a precedent for us and how Americans may be treated by the government, but it's also setting a precedent for future um, activities of the American government overseas, in which we know it's a very interventionist government, and future people, future interventions in which countries that are um, cooed by the United States or bombed or invaded, they, you know, this sets a new precedent that they could extremely, and legally, because there were these legal memos written by John Wu, a member of the administration, that they could legally be treated in this way. But then there's also the case, I mean, the, the point that, you know, if they're doing it to foreigners, and I guess, yeah, that program has been ended, you know, technically it's been ended, Who's to say that it can't come back? I mean, the United States has already breached that that gate, so to speak. And it's a very dangerous one. You know, it, the United States hails itself as a beacon of democracy and freedom in the world. But it's not democracy and freedom for people who are in prison. And I know that's, yes, they're in prison. We get it. And like, like I know that's the point of prison. But this goes further and beyond. Um, especially because we have a prison industrial complex and capitalized prison system and, you know, incentives for district attorneys like Kamala Harris who are um, made to be incentivized to run people through the system 
and to prosecute more people. This is just the foreign policy version of that, to detain as many people as possible. I mean, Guantanamo Bay prison camp, which was supposed to be closed in 2008, is still open. We were promised by the former president that it would be closed. Nope, nope, not at all. We were lied to, and we were lied to about this. The vice piece continues here. There were discussions of CIA officers choking up and wanting to leave the site. There were several cables back from the detention site to CIA headquarters, basically begging to allow them to stop using these techniques. The headquarters told them, keep going. There was one cable that said, we must stop. We're approaching the legal limit. A cable from headquarters didn't come back. Instead, an email came back and said, please do not put such language in official communications. We compiled that and presented it to the committee in February of 2009, and there was a vote of 14 to 1 to launch this much broader review of the CIA's. So while the program was eventually ended, all of this hubbub in the media didn't lead to saturation coverage, and it didn't lead to a major uproar among the American people, potentially because the people who were said to have suffered from it were Islamic potential terrorists, and I think that's part of the reason why you've seen such a, with the maltreatment of Latinos and just immigrants, who are technically still criminals, I'm not saying that that's something that they should be designated, but they are, if they're entering illegally. So we have one class of criminals who people were in 2019 are very sympathetic towards and we see an outpouring of support towards them but i think part of the reason that we didn't see that back in 2002 2007 to 2007 sorry was because they were islamic because they were mostly like exclusively men and because we were told that they were terrorists and the government lied about many things it lied saying it didn't torture it lied saying that torture worked. It lied saying that we definitely saved lives by torturing. It lied by saying that Abu Zubaydah was somebody who was super important in Al-Qaeda. And of course, they lied about covering it up. They lied about everything. I mean, this government is so rotten to the core. And the fact that people think that a figurehead from the other party that maintains the status quo that forms the other half of the political elite is going to change anything, that if you just change the flavor, if you just go from blue to red, if you just go from blue raspberry to cherry, everything will be so different that you won't be sucking on the same popsicle that's choking you, made of cyanide, popsicle, cyanide, cyanide, popsicle. If torture is to be truly stopped in the United States, which it has subsided, but I don't believe it stopped, because a torture culture was established among intelligence officials. If a torture culture is to completely be abolished, we need to abolish the American government. We need to a revolutionary uprising that will throw down the old fetters and chains that have made human carnage of immigrants as well as people who are suspected of being terrorists. Because it was, in both cases, American imperial actions that created both the refugees and the terrorists. And I think that taking a global meta view of all of these situations is vital to understanding how we can end government misbehavior because this government is rotten to the core and nothing can be done to reform it. And yes, the reformists have compelling arguments, but look, at the end of the day, you're just going to get a Republican in there someday, or you're going to get a Democrat like Obama and things are going to be worse and the most people are going to be deported of all time. That was Voice of the Revolution Radio. I'm Jacob Music. Thanks for listening.